Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter four. Last several couple of we, uh, last couple of weeks, we have been looking at Christmas in three dimensions. Uh, we, as I've told you, the first week we are trying to look at Christmas three dimensionally, but so we can get a better view of what Christmas is all about. And to you know, when you look at a picture, it's just flat and two dimensions. But uh, when you look at reality, when you look at the world, you see it in three dimensions. You see that depth that's there that's not usually in pictures, and and you notice so much more detail. And so that's what we've been trying to do with Christmas. We uh, started out with looking at why and understanding uh, why we needed. Uh, Christmas, and we saw that in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve committed sin in their life, and, and we understood the need of a Savior and how God promised us a Savior that would come. Uh, then last week we looked at the where. We talked about uh, Bethlehem and, and the manger and, and all of that, and today we look in Galatians chapter 4. And we look at the third dimension today, and I want you to understand that it's probably uh, one of the most important aspects of Christmas, and that is the who. And before you get too far ahead, don't think you know all the answers, okay? You're going you're to be surprised at, at who we're talking about when we talk about Christmas. You know, Christmas is special in that a lot of times we look forward to that time on Christmas morning when we'll rush into the uh, the room with the Christmas tree and we'll see all the presents and we'll see all the things that are there. And uh, we just rush over to the one present that we just know is that special present that we've been waiting for for so long. And let me tell you, I've woken up many, uh, s- several Christmas mornings thinking I knew exactly what was under the tree, thought I knew exactly what gift I was getting, because guess what, you know, when it's not too hard when you have parents that ask you, what do you want for Christmas, and then you tell them what you want, you pretty much understand and can figure it out after the second or third Christmas that you have done that, that they're going to get you pretty close to what you want. And so it's not too hard to imagine what might be under the Christmas tree. And, and sometimes your parents might throw in a, a, a curveball here and there to a, something that you might not have specifically asked for, but something that you uh, have expressed that you would like to have. And, and But it's always, a, a, it's always a thrill to open up that present and to see something that is just a total surprise. Have you ever opened up a present and been not too thrilled with what was there? You know, when you're a little kid, you you want all the presents that have toys and all that. And 
Every once in a while, like Buddy was saying this morning at, at Sunday school, sometimes you open up the present and it's a it's a tie or it's a a, a shirt or pa- new pajamas. When you're wanting you're wanting toys, you're wanting things that are fun, you're wanting games, you're wanting things that are just so much fun for you to have. And here, your par- parents have gotten you something that's practical. Uh, usually for me, it was my grandparents. Uh, my parents would tell me, uh, uh, my grandparents would tell us, uh, all us grandkids, they give us the Sears Wish Book. You remember that? They give you the Sears Wish Book, and they'd say, "Baby, just circle whatever it is you want in that book, and dog ear the the page, and we'll get it for you for Christmas." Now, I had cousins that always, uh, my always, always got exactly what they wanted, and you'd think that it was pretty simple. You just find what it is you want and circle it, and dog ear the uh, the page. You're going to get that for Christmas. But my parents would say, now, Carl, don't don't ask for the racetrack. Don't ask for the that whatever it was that was the big thing that year. Don't ask for that because that's just too much for grandmom and granddaddy. Well, evidently, my aunt and uncle never told that to my cousins because they always got the exact thing I wanted the most. They always got the racetrack. They always got the the electronic gizmo or whatever it was that uh, that I always wanted. And I'm sitting there with a shirt and tie. Oh, you know, you, you always want those fun things. But when, when Jesus came and was uh, our first gift of Christmas, He did more than meet expectations. He exceeded our expectations. He gave us a gift that was so much greater than we could ever understand or expect or or want. And and yet, He answered the question that we so often miss, and that's the who. The who of Christmas. And we, we miss the who of Christmas so much. Look at, at Galatians chapter 4. It says, in verse 4 it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the redemption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Well, there, therefore, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. It says here in verse 4 that God sent forth His Son in the fullness of time. There was, it was a timing of perfection. You know, when you're making a cake and when you're baking a cake, it's always about uh, timing. It's always about, you can't, you can't bake a, uh, you know, when you're cooking a steak, a lot of times you want to, on the grill, I always like to have my steak cooked with just a little pink inside because I like the juiciness and I like the flavor that comes with having just a little pink. But other people might like it with uh, a lot of pink in there, a lot of red 
red uh, uh, meat inside there. And when you watch these cooking shows, they show them, they, they'll cook the outside and, and then they cut it open. It looks like it, it, they just waved it over the fire. It looks like they barely cooked it. And it's just raw inside, it looks like to me. But they'll say, oh, it's cooked to perfection, cooked to perfection. Then other people like it where it's cooked all the way through on the inside it's always brown and that's how i liked it when i was little i I liked it to where i knew that it was completely cooked and not undercooked and then there's some people that like to eat a steak that looks like a burnt sacrifice i mean it's charred and and it, it looks like it's it's been left on there and forgotten and then brought to the table um but with making a cake there's no uh uh, medium well or well done in a cake, you have to time the uh, cake perfectly, and you got you can't pull out that cake and leave it un- uncooked inside. You want to make sure it's cooked all the way through, and you want to make sure it's done just right because if you don't, it's not going to uh, give you the results that you want. And the Bible says that Jesus came in the perfection of time, in when the time was just right when it was perfect and only god could send jesus to come at the time that was was right he came in the fullness of time i asked you last week if if you ever wondered if why god didn't bring his son right after the garden right after adam and eve were in the garden and were had sinned and had been ejected out of the garden away from the tree of life. Why didn't God send Jesus soon after? I mean, why didn't He have Jesus, the Messiah, come, the one who would bring salvation right after they were taken out of the garden? I told you back then, uh, last week, that I, I feel like it was because we had to understand and know how depraved we were, how much we needed a Savior, how great our uh, need for one who would deliver us. And when the time was right and, and God uh, knew that we understood that we needed a Savior, when mankind had poured out their heart that God would send a Messiah for, for 2,000 years uh, or more, the, the children of Israel had been crying out to God, please bring us a Savior. Of course, they always thought that the Savior meant that they would have someone who would come, a mighty king that would come riding in in a white steed and lead them out into battle and lead them to, to have a mighty kingdom like King David had or, or King Solomon. But they, but they did not understand that they needed a Savior that would deliver them more from, than from just simple uh, uh, opponents that were all around them, uh, armies that were invading and people who were putting them down. They needed a Savior. It says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law. Now, in this passage of Scripture, the, the author is writing to the church, uh, the church at Galatia. Paul is writing to the, this group of people that have gotten 
kind of mixed up in some false teaching. And, and as what would happen was Paul would go through and he would establish the church and help bring people to Christ and help them to understand uh, the teaching of Jesus Christ. And then move on to another church to build another area, to build another church. And the problem was is that when he would leave, the, the people he left behind sometimes would get confused because people would come in and want to try and tell them, that, oh, no, you can't do it this way. You've got to do it that way. And part of the problem was here in, in Galatia was that they had people that, that understood that the children of Israel lived under laws. They lived under the Mosaic law. And, and their whole identity was wrapped up in how they had to live, how they had to live their life. They had to live under certain uh, commands from the law and they had to do certain things on certain days and they couldn't do things on other days and they had to live a certain way and not like other people lived. And, and Paul had tried to teach them that you don't live under laws anymore. You live under the law, not of Moses, but the law of sin. And Jesus is the one who came and delivered you from that law of sin. And that's what he's saying here in verse uh, verse 4 here is, is that when the fullness of time came, Jesus God sent forth His Son not outside of the law, but within the law to help them to understand that they were being delivered from the law. They were being delivered out of that system of Mosaic laws to help them to understand. Those Mosaic laws were there to help them to understand the need for a Savior. Now the Savior had come. The Savior was coming to deliver them from their sin, deliver them from the thing that that the law was trying to point out, their need uh, for a Savior to deliver them from their sin. He says in verse 5, "...to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoptions of sons." And because uh, and and so they needed to understand that this redemption was not something that was uh, part of of simply being born Israelite. Now, uh, when they lived under the Mosaic Law, they felt like they were God's people because they simply were born into the 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 Abraham's descendants because they were born Israelites that they were favored of God and he, he was Paul was trying to help them to understand it's not something you're born into it's not something you're just a, automatically receive and there's a lot of people today that that uh, they're not Jewish but they have this mentality uh, minus the Judaism and that was that there's some people today that think that well God loves us and and because God loves us he's not going to send anyone He's not going to judge anybody. Uh, we're all sinful, so we're all going to get a pass. We're going to. Uh, we're all. Uh, that's kind of like uh, being in a class in college and 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 thinking, well, everybody's failing the class, so the the prof is going to change, or my teacher is going to change the grade so that some of us pass, and of course, some of us will fail. The worst of us will, but but because all of us are failing, all of us are doing so terrible. He's going to. He's going to. Give us a curve and allow us, uh, some of us, to, to pass. And Paul here is trying to say, look, when you sin, you fail. 
None of us are getting a pass just simply because we failed. We have to understand that that we're being redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that we're being redeemed not because of, of being born into a family of of Israelites. We're not being uh, given a pass because of, of the fact that God loves us and, and loves everybody, and so God's going to give everybody a pass. And there are people there like that. Well, God, God loves people, and, and my God would just not send anybody to hell. But what they fail to understand is that it does not take into account the responsibility of our sin and helping us to understand that there is a penalty for sin. And if you just simply allow everyone into heaven because God loves everybody, then you diminish or you demean the impact of sin in our lives and the penalty of sin. And so what God did was He sent Jesus to die on the cross and Jesus to be our Savior so that if we would just simply accept Him, then we would be redeemed. But those who, uh, who reject His love, reject Him, uh, will, would not get that redemption. But Jesus, it's not that God is saying, okay, all you got to do is just accept Jesus. It's Jesus paid the penalty. He paid the price. So it doesn't diminish the penalty of sin. It doesn't diminish uh, the price that was paid to, to simply say that, G, that God wants everybody. Yes, God wants everybody to go to heaven. He wants all people to accept Jesus. But He wants to highlight the underst- our understanding that we need to be righteous, that we need to be without sin in our life. And He does that by Jesus paying the penalty. It's not just simply that Jesus was born and there's there's here's a problem with with jesus and and it happens two times of the year it happens at easter and it happens at at christmas people think of jesus when they uh, ultimately they when they think of jesus they think of jesus either still on the cross at easter or still in the crib at christmas and Jesus did both things, but he didn't stay in the cross on the cross, and he didn't stay in the crib. He went on to be our Savior. He went on to be our Messiah. He went on to uh, to teach us the things that we needed to understand and know. And why did he do that? Look at verse six. He said, "And because you are sons, because you have been adopted, what, why, how, by the precious." atoning of of the blood of Jesus Christ by His dying on the cross, by Him uh, uh, being our uh, uh, propitiation, our payment for the sin of our life. Because we have, He has paid for that sin, we've become sons. And God sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And so he's saying, look, you become a child of God through the, the atonement of the blood of Jesus Christ. And because you've become a child of God, because you have been brought back into that relationship. See, it all goes back to the garden. God has done all of this 
so that we might be able to get back into that right relationship with Him, that relationship that was present before sin entered into the world, that relationship that God had with mankind, God had with Adam in the garden where He was in fellowship with, with mankind and, and there was no sin that blocked that relationship between God and man. God's desire is, is that we'd be moved back to that type of relationship, that we would be moved back into that right relationship and so the way he does this is, is that uh, through Jesus Christ, we have become a child of God. And he says, because we've been made a son, we've become more than just a son. We've, it's not just simply that Jesus paid the price and we were liberated from sin. And you need to understand something. What Jesus did was he, he didn't just simply die on the cross to take our place, which he did. But He died on the cross to set us free from the bondage of sin. But not just simply to set us free, but to make us a part of the family of God, to make us a child of God. And Paul says here, if you've been made a child of God, then you've been made a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You've been made not just simply a child. You, he says you're, you're not just simply a child. A, uh, a stepchild that is treated like Cinderella that you got to go and, and do all the chores and do all the labor and, and you're mistreated because you're not as valuable as the real son and the real daughter. He says, no, you've been made just like the, child, uh, the son. You've been made a joint heir. That means you've been made a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And he says, and if you've been made a joint heir with Jesus Christ, you're not, no longer a servant, but a son. And if a son, an heir of God through Christ. And so what I want to tell you today is, is that the who is not just Jesus who did come. It is important that we need to understand that Jesus Christ came. You understand that who, but he, the who of Christmas is also you and me. The who of Christmas, the reason Jesus came is not just uh, to come and to be a Savior, but He came to be a Savior for you and me. He came to be uh, the, the, the one who would come to stand in our place. He came for you. The who of Christmas is you and me. The who of Christmas is all those who are out there who need Jesus in their life. The who of Christmas is us. Jesus came, yes, but He came for you and for me. He came that He might be our Savior. He came for those people that are out there that they're strung out on methamphetamines. He came for those people out there who are embroiled in a a toxic relationship with someone that's not their spouse. He came for those people who are hurting because they're in a relationship in their family where they're being hurt. Excuse me. He came for those who are out there who are just struggling with life. And they don't understand what it is that they need. They just know that they need something in their life. They're, he came for those people who are out there who are searching for, for fulfillment, searching for an answer. He came for those who are out there 
who are all around us. He came for the average person who thinks they have everything. He came for the person who has everything and still is searching. Jesus Christ came for all of us. And the problem is, is too often we simply say, well, uh, we want to invite people that are just like us to come to church. No, we, we need to understand that Jesus came for all. He came for those people who are struggling with depression. He came for those people who are struggling with, uh, with all the pressures of this world and are failing. He came for those who are, are, are in such need because uh, they've gotten themselves into difficult situations. He came for those who are simply uh, have it all because they've been born into a family that, that has great riches beyond most of our understanding. He came for all of us. He came for that little child that sits in darkness halfway around the world, and He came for the child that's down the street. He came for all of us, that He might be the Savior that meets all of our needs. He came to bring us into the family of God. He says right here, to redeem them that were under the law, to redeem those who were understanding that they had not met the expectations of God, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because we are sons, God sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. He sent us to have that deep abiding relationship. He sent Jesus Christ to, to, to allow us to have that relationship so that we would cry out to God as a, as a child cries out to their daddy. That Abba Father is, is a term of, of endearment, not Father. Father, is it time for, for Christmas? No, it's not that, that kind of relationship where you, your father is standoffish and, and you have to be formal with him. It's that Abba Father, that Daddy, that, that Father relationship that you, when you have something that hurts you terribly, you run into His arms because you know He brings you uh, uh, a sense of of healing when you're hurt. That shadow of, of protection when, you, when danger faces you. That understanding of provision when you're in such need in your life. Daddy, help me. That's the relationship that He brings us all into so that we might be joint heirs, so that we might have he says that we might be joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That means, look, God sent His only, what? Begotten Son. Right? Into a world to be the Savior so that, that He might not be the only Son any longer, but that you and I would have a relationship with God Listen to this. So that we might have a relationship with God like Jesus has a relationship with the Father. That's amazing. That's, that's too far for some people to even imagine. Well, I can't have a relationship like Jesus had with the Father. Jesus is God. 
Well, I'm not saying that, that by accepting Jesus into your heart that you'll be God. I don't want to share with you a temptation like Satan tempted Eve with in the garden. What I'm telling you is, is the love that God has for Jesus Christ is the same kind of love He has for you. The relationship that God, has, that God the Father has with Jesus, God the Son, is the same kind of relationship that He wants to have with you. That you might have that same deep abiding love that Jesus shares with the Father. He wants, the Father wants to have with you. That is mind-blowing to me. That God would love me that much. And that's what He offers at Christmas. That's the gift under the tree. That's not underwhelming. It's not the, the shirt and tie from Grandmama. It's the mind-blowing gift that you never expected. The one thing that, that you never expected to have, God gave to you and exceeds all expectations and exceeds all understanding of what God can do for us. God wants to give His Son to you so that you might be His child too. That's an amazing thing. Today, if you don't have Jesus in your heart, if you don't have that kind of love relationship with God the Father, He's calling you today to have that kind of love. Maybe you thought you were accepting Jesus at one time and didn't even understand the full extent of the relationship that God wants to have with you. Maybe you already have Jesus in your life, but you've just kind of been a, a, in a distance of a relationship with God. God wants you to have such a deep, abiding relationship that's so much more. So much more. So today, if you don't have Jesus in your heart, accept Him as your personal Savior and have that kind of deep love that you cannot uh, even understand at this point. Maybe you have Jesus in your heart and you need to just come and, and recommit your life to Him so that you can have that kind of deep, abiding relationship that you never expected to have. Maybe you want to simply just come and, and join in your fellowship with us so that you can grow in your understanding of who Christ is and say, I want to be a part of this day in and day out. Every week, I want to join in this fellowship so I can grow closer to Him. Whatever it might be, as we stand in a moment and sing our hymn of invitation, we invite you to come. Let's join together in prayer. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we just praise You and thank You for all that You are. And we pray that You'd help us to understand that kind of relationship that, with You that we never expected to have, but that You gave for us so long ago in the person of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. 